Greetings, everyone. It's December 15th, 2021, a crispy, cold day here in the mountains. And today is episode one of a new project, the Inner Fire Podcast. Check it out. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Inner Fire, the podcast formerly known as Modern Gnostic. This is Brian, your host, and I thank you for joining me today. Approximately two years ago, I created Modern Gnostic, uh, the podcast. I created this podcast um, basically as an outlet to explain my ideas and hopefully uh, to talk to authors and teachers in the modern Gnostic and spiritual community that I found interesting. I started the podcast as a creative outlet for myself, um, someone I, I consider myself someone who has been incredibly shaped and formed by listening to podcasts. And uh, like so many of you, I decided to start a podcast myself and kind of document my spiritual journey. On the last episode of my podcast, um, I had a man on, Zal, uh, and we talked about the Mazdan way. Uh, which is a modern manifestation of the ancient Zoroastrian religion. <clears throat> this podcast had a tremendous impact on me, recording this podcast, talking to Zal, reading um, the books on the Mazdan Way written by Stephen Flowers, really precipitated something of um, a spiritual crisis in me that I think had been boiling and brooding for a while, uh, was coming to the surface right around the time that I met Zal and recorded this podcast. Um, and since then, the trajectory of my path has, I almost want to say changed, but in a certain sense, it is really just deepened. Let me explain a little bit. About seven years ago, I came to a realization that I needed to have a re-engagement with Christianity. I've talked about this in past episodes of the podcast. Um, I feel like so many people who are probably listening to this, at a very early age, I rejected Christianity for all of the obvious reasons that most people uh, reject Christianity and get into um, alternative spiritual traditions. And I deeply dove into the traditions of the East, both Hinduism and Buddhism, and after close to 30 years of studying those paths, I came to a realization that I needed to re-engage with the spiritual tradition of my ancestors. And based on some mystical experiences that I've talked about elsewhere, based on uh, some ideological understandings that I had about uh, the, the need to re-engage with the, the spiritual tradition of the West and of my ancestors, I embarked upon the path of re-engaging, or actually engaging for the first time with Christianity. Um, I say re-engaging, but I was, I was not raised in a deeply engaging way with Christianity. Um, and so I, I dove in, and I quickly found that um, typical small-O Orthodox Christian theologies just did not did not resonate with me, and I discovered the Gnostics and began um, pursuing some sort of uh, modern engagement with Gnosticism. 
And this led to the Modern Gnostic Podcast. It led to me being ordained in the independent sacramental movement and starting a church in my area that engaged with sacramental Christianity from a Gnostic perspective. <clears throat> but even amongst the Gnostic theologies, I, I, I found a ill fit with myself. Um, and when I started talking to Zal and started reading the books on the Mazdan Way, I recognized that there is a tradition, a spiritual tradition, that is part of my ancestry that <clears throat> runs below Christianity or deeper than Christianity. And it has a manifestation in this modern Mazdan movement. And it has actually, I'm learning, a manifestation in a broader re-engagement with the Indo-European spiritual traditions uh, that characterize uh, our people as they spread out from Central Asia um, in one direction into Europe and another direction down into India. And there's linking, um, what would you say, a linking commonness in all of these spiritual traditions, whether they manifest in Hinduism, in Zoroastrianism, in the mystical traditions of the West, um, and in what Oswald Spengler calls a Faustian spirit of Christianity. And when I looked at this, when I began to engage with this, I, I, started, I started realizing that what I resonated with so strongly in Christianity was largely the symbol sets of medieval European Christianity and certain concepts of chivalric knighthood, um, the God-man, and God as a as a father and a friend and a companion. And I think. <clears throat> It's important to think about this concept of God and who and what God is. In the what is called the Judeo-Christian tradition, we have this concept of God um, as both a father and a judge. God is portrayed in the Bible and in the Christian tradition as both a loving father and an angry judge. God is described in the Bible as a jealous God. In fact, we see a lot of contradictory uh, descriptions of God in the Bible. And I'm not going to um, go into a deep criticism of the biblical concept of God. I think there is a lot there that is of value. And I think that there is a lot there that is, um, quite frankly, unhealthy and wrong. Um, I'm not, I, I know there's different theories on how these concepts of God were developed and that, um, uh, you know, that, that there's been some corruption there. Uh, I'm not particularly interested in talking about that in this episode, but what I am interested in talking about is my understanding of that now. And I struggled, I really struggled over the last seven years or so to reconcile what 
my spirit and soul knows to be true about God and how God was being described in both the Gnostic and Orthodox aspects of Christianity. And when I started reading about the Mazdan understanding of God and, and the broad <clears throat> Indo-European, Indo-Aryan concept of God, I found something that immediately was recognizable as true by my soul, by who and what I truly am. At my, at my work, I have a, a colleague who is a member of the Greek Orthodox tradition, and he's someone who deeply studies the theology, and um, we've had many interesting conversations at work, and in one of our conversations, uh, we hit upon this thread that we explored through further conversations and through me reading things that he gave to me and um, us just kind of debating this back and forth. But this idea in capital O orthodoxy that man has this deeply fallen nature and that due to this fallen nature, man uh, cannot really come to an understanding of God on his own that man needs the scripture, scriptural revelation and the tradition and teachings of the church to explain to him the nature of who and what God really is. And that any kind of inner revelation one might have about God is deeply susceptible to um, kind of being steered in the wrong way by our fallen nature and, and by um, satanic forces. I found this um, a deeply offensive concept to my soul. Um, and in my entire time in engagement with Christianity, this central aspect of the fallen nature of man, of original sin, of the fact that we are born into an imperfect, fallen, broken condition um, that we need to heal through a submission to God and, and a seeking of forgiveness. Uh, this entire concept, uh, I've wrestled with it so much and, and, and I've, I've, I have felt this continuing sense that this is a, an offense to the soul to, to accept a doctrine and a concept like this. And, um, I will be the first to admit I am someone who has uh, sinned, if you want to use that word, a lot. Um, I like the sense of sin as hamarchia, of missing the mark. You know, it's this archery term of, of uh, missing the mark. This is one of the ways that the term sin can be interpreted from the Bible. That I can get behind a lot. I've missed the mark quite a bit in my life. But there is a concept in Zoroastrianism and in the Mazdan way, and it seems to be a concept in broader Indo-European traditions and Indo-Aryan traditions, that we don't have a fallen nature, that man has a divine nature. Um, this was one of my deep spiritual realizations, and I've talked about it in almost every episode of the Modern Gnostic Podcast, is that what we truly are is this divine spark, 
that is who and what we are. That is our true nature. And there's lots of different um, spiritual ideas for why we're in the material world, why we find ourselves in the situations that we find ourselves in now. Uh, but the, at the root thing, who and what we are is a, is a spark of the divine. That What we have in us is this inner fire, this inner divine fire. And talking with Zal and reading about the Mazdan way, I came across this um, beautiful mythos in Zoroastrianism that why we find ourselves in the material world is that we have volunteered to come here to fight on the side of good against the forces of darkness. And one of the principal aspects of these forces of darkness from the Zoroastrian perspective is something called the druj, which means the lie. And Dr. Stephen Flowers talks about one of the key aspects of this big capital L lie, this spiritual lie, this, this, um, this force of darkness is the idea that we are debased and fallen creatures, that this is a, a deep lie and it is a lie that keeps us in darkness. And a key aspect of who the Zoroastrians call Ahura Mazda, the, the highest God, the greatest good, pure consciousness, the divine, um, what I like to think of as the most high, that this ultimate God wants us to know that this is a lie. We are not characterized by ignorance in our fallen nature. We can make choices that tend us more in the direction of ignorance and darkness. We definitely find ourselves in a world that is being corrupted by evil forces. You don't have to look too far outside of your front door to realize that's the case. But who and what we are are um, beings who have volunteered to be here to fight on the side of good and truth and light. And when I came across that teaching, I realized ah, this is what we see in medieval paintings of the night. Right? This is what we have reflected in the stories of the grail. Um, this is that, that Faustian spirit of Christianity that Oswald Spengler talks about, this heroic sense of the individual striving out to create the good, to fight on the side of God for beauty, for triumph, for heroism, for valor, for an exalted sense of being. Now, <clears throat> this is so outside of the domain of the uh, Semitic concepts of God, whether it's manifested in um, traditional Christianity, Judaism, or Islam. Now, I'm not talking about the mystical traditions here. The mystical traditions seem to have found ways to plug into this this deeper underlying truth, but the orthodox uh, theological traditions of these systems, um, the systems of the, the Abrahamic religions, have a very different view of man and God. Um, they teach a God that seems to want, um, uh, it sounds harsh to say it, 
but seems to want a subjugated man. That seems to want us to fall on our knees and beg for forgiveness and plead for help and recognize and and um, proclaim our smallness and our weakness. Um, and I don't know <clears throat> about anybody else, but the soul in me can no longer attempt to fit myself into this mold. And I realized that the term Gnostic, as applying it to myself, just cannot fit anymore. I can still think of myself as a Christian, the Christ, the solar power, the, the entity, the, the, the archetype of the exalted divine individual that I, I find um, useful. But it's also, it's also almost a deceptive term to use. I, I realize that you know, if, I, if, I, if I talk to people out in public and tell them that I'm a Christian, most people have a very specific thing that that means, and it's, and it's not what I mean when I use that word. And so I'm still struggling with terms and with words that fit and um, um, saying, uh, yeah, proper terms to apply to myself. But I knew that no longer would modern Gnostic fit as the term for myself or the project that I want to do with um, my podcast. And so when I think about the kind of key spiritual realization that started me out on this path to begin with seven years ago, and it was the realization of this divine spark, this inner fire, this inner flame inside of, of all of us that is our true nature. And I decided this would be the perfect descriptor for, for this podcast, inner fire. That's what I'm wanting to cultivate in myself. That's what I'm wanting to see other people cultivate in themselves. That's what I think can be an effective tool in this fight for good in this world. I've also realized, and I've talked about it some over the last few times I've done podcast episodes, and I've actually struggled with doing podcast episodes um, talking about politics. It's, it's such a, almost like a, a, a toxic term. Um, we like to think that, you know, we're too much involved with politics. Politics seems to have polluted everything in the modern world. Everything's about politics. Why can't we leave politics alone? You know, people are talking about politics at the Thanksgiving and at the Christmas table. Um, we are just constantly, wrapped up in the 24-hour news cycle that seems to be this all-consuming thing. And I, and I think that's right. There is a way, a, a way in which we are too involved in small politics. But on a larger sense, I think politics is, is incredibly important. And when I, when I use this term politics, I'm, I'm talking about the way that we structure and, and steer our interactions with our fellow human beings with our larger sense of community and with nations and nation states and, and international politics and all of that spreading out. I think these are important things to talk about, but I also 
really recognize that we are going in an incredibly dangerous direction in our country and in the world. Um, this uh, pandemic has been used as a pretext to really, um, <laughs> this is the phrase that comes to my mind, is like hit the accelerator. The, the, the globalists have hit the accelerator towards this techno-totalitarianism, um, and they've used this pandemic as the excuse to do that. And I feel like there is virtually nothing more important to engage oneself in, in the present time, than fighting the rise of this totalitarianism. Uh, if you're like me, if you're a student of history, I can remember, you know, reading the Gulag Archipelago. And I read the Gulag Archipelago while I was in prison. And I remember reading the Gulag Archipelago and, and reading about other totalitarian governments in the world and always kind of having the question of like, how did this happen? How did people let this happen? And the answer to that question is your life right now, today. There are places in the Western world today where people are being put into containment camps because of COVID. If you look at what's happening in Australia, they are detaining people in camps against their will for 17 to 30 days at a time supposedly for COVID. And they're detaining people in these camps who have tested negative for COVID. And if you're in the camp and you flaunt the, flaunt the rules of the camp, they punish you by more time in the camp. Now think about that. The supposed purpose of the camp is to separate people who have been infected with COVID from the larger population to keep the larger population safe. We'll take the people who possibly have COVID, we'll put them in this, you know, refurbished hotel or in Australia, they've actually built physical camps um, that have fences and razor wire around them. If you don't believe me, you can look it up on the internet. Um, use DuckDuckGo as your search engine, look it up, look at the images, listen to the stories of the people who've been there. Don't take my word for it. But these camps are supposedly being built to protect the rest of the population from people who've been infected with COVID. Now, if you accept that as the truth, then ask yourself, why, if you are put in the camp and you violate the rules of the camp, you're punished by more time in the camp? Is that protecting the public from someone with COVID? Why are people who have tested negative for COVID being kept in these camps? And these camps are being built in Canada right now. And if you think that they won't attempt it here, you are being a fool. Uh, a couple of days ago on Twitter, someone posted two images from, a, from uh, Vice magazine, a, a news, pretty mainstream news source at this point. One of the images was from a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. And the headline said something to the effect of crazy anti-vaxxers think, think COVID will be used to push for vaccine passports, right? That was, that was the article. And the article from this time this year from the same news source 
was an article talking about how vaccine passports are going to become part of our lives and you just need to get used to it. That's what's happened in one year. Uh, Joe Biden is saying that he is going to, through, through no legislative process, just through presidential decree, make every company with 100 or more employees in the United States require vaccines as a condition for employment or submitting to weekly testing at the cost of the employee starting January 4th. Now, this has been struck down so far in every court it has come in front of, but the Biden administration is still pushing forward with it. In fact, they are publicly telling companies to disregard the rulings of the court and move forward with the vaccine mandates. Now, whether you agree with Joe Biden, whether you voted for the Democrats, whether you hate Trump, love Trump, whatever it is, that's not the interesting part of politics. That's the part of politics that I think we should ignore. The, the Biden versus Trump, the, all of that is just bullshit. It's just puppetry, ultimately. But what is important and what is interesting to notice is you have the president of the United States, supposedly, the president of the United States telling companies to disregard federal courts and just follow his orders. For almost two years now, We've been living under mask mandates. We've been living under lockdowns. Businesses have been forced to shut. People are being forced to vaccinate their children, to send them to school. People have to are being forced to get vaccinations to go to their jobs. People are having to wear masks indoors. None of this has happened um, via the channels of how our system of government is supposed to work. We are supposed to have a representative form of government where we elect representatives who then debate laws and vote for laws and those laws get passed and then we live our lives according to those laws, right? That's a representative republic. That's what we're supposed to have in this country. But for the last two years, what has controlled our life more than anything else is unelected bureaucrats like Dr. Anthony Fauci and presidential decree coupled with mayors and governors under supposed emergency powers declaring decrees that affect how we all live our lives. This is totalitarianism. For four years under Trump, we heard about the rise of authoritarianism and the rise of totalitarianism. And I'm no fan of Donald Trump as an individual. But I think that what we heard people talking about for those four years is happening now. We are living under a growing totalitarianism right now. And it is time to resist. And as you know, atomized individuals, it's hard to know what, what, what are we supposed to do about that? What can we do about that as individuals? And it can feel like we can't do much. Um, say what you want about the last election in either direction, but there have been, our elections are so um, skewed and manipulated at this point. If you just look at how the tech giants manipulated the elections in this last cycle by taking down certain politicians' web pages, by um, 
um, supposed crashes for Republican um, donor raising campaigns via Google. Uh, the way Facebook and Twitter have been weaponized to go after right-wing politicians and deplatform them. If you don't think that affects elections, you know, if, if you are somebody who is running on the state level in your state and Twitter and Facebook booted you off their platforms, how are you going to effectively run a political campaign in the year 2021? That's how our elections have been manipulated. Um, we don't e you don't even need widespread voter fraud. You have this techno-totalitarianism that is manipulating elections. And so we are living on the cusp of a, a full-blown totalitarianism. I mean, we are right on the edge. And what can we do as individuals, right? You, you, you might feel powerless in your ability to change this via voting. I know I do. I, I almost feel like voting is, is just a joke at this point. Um, I'm currently reading Ernst Younger's The Forest Passage, and he's he's talking about there's many ways that you can you can have your vote. And I think that one of the ways you can have your vote heard now is is little things like this, like podcasts. I was looking at my podcast analytics today, and for me, a podcast that reaches a lot of people is if I get 300 listens, right? Like that's nothing. That's nothing. It's tiny. There's, there's podcasts out there. I mean, obviously, there's the big guys like Joe Rogan and Tim Pool and people like that who get millions and millions and millions of listens. <clears throat> but there's, there's much smaller people who get hundreds of thousands of listens. And then there's the little guys like me who might get 300 on a good episode. But you know what? At least it's something. And I want to do something. And so I want my podcast. I, I felt like the title, Modern Gnostic, limited the scope of what I, I want to do. And I feel like I'm, I'm hoping that under the name Inner Fire, I will feel more comfortable in, in broadening the scope of what I want to talk about. And it can be a, a scary thing because there are real world consequences for doing things like podcasting and writing and speaking out right now. Um, there's a content creator I know, Paul Wagner, who just the other day had all of his payment services taken away from him. Venmo won't accept payments from him. PayPal, he can't get payments through PayPal. Google Pay can't get payments through Google Pay. So they are attempting to make it where he cannot make money by selling his shirts, selling his books, selling his podcasts. Um, they will hound your employers. They will try to ruin you in your communities. Um, it's dangerous times to speak out, but it's necessary to speak out. And I want to use inner fire <clears throat> as a way to speak out. And I think the name inner fire expresses that very thing that we need. We need to really embody who and what we are. And from that Zoroastrian perspective, from that Mazdan perspective, from that ancient Indo-European, Indo-Aryan perspective, what we are, are warriors of fire. We are like knights of fire. We are meant to courageously wage battle against the forces of darkness and the forces of the lie. And that is what I want to do with Inner Fire Podcast.
So another thing that I plan on doing with this podcast is bringing more guests on. I have a lot of episodes where it's me just kind of talking or reading things that I've written or reading passages from books, and I like that stuff. But I also like the idea of doing interviews. And so I'm scheduling some interviews in the upcoming months with authors who've written books that I feel like are, are very important in this mission of fighting back against totalitarianism and waging this spiritual battle for liberation, freedom, awakening, and sovereignty. And so I'm going to be bringing you um, episodes like that as well uh, in, in the future with Inner Fire. I appreciate everybody who's listened to Modern Gnostic, who's shared the episodes. I hope you continue to listen to Inner Fire and share those episodes as well. I hope I could push my numbers higher than 300 and, and get into that thousand listens range with each episode. But I don't care if, if these get 50 listens, I've done something. I've reached beyond just the scope of me walking around and talking my ideas. And I would really encourage you, we're going to talk about challenging things on this podcast. Um, and it's, you know, one of the, one of the weird aspects of our, of, of our times is the difficulty people have in talking about charged subjects. We're so quick to dismiss people who have different ideas. I'm guilty of that myself. Um, and so I would just ask the listeners, and particularly the listeners who've been listening for a while, if you hear challenging things here, continue to engage. Write to me. Reach out to me. Let's talk about these things. If you think I'm completely wrong, maybe you can come on the show with me and we can talk about these things. Uh, but please just keep listening and, and share the podcast. So just to recap, we're changing the name from Modern Gnostic to Inner Fire. We're going to have an emphasis on discussing and digging into the broader Indo-European, Indo-Aryan concept of soul and God and creation and what it is that we're meant to do here. And we're also going to tie this in to the fight to resist the rise of totalitarianism in our Western culture and what we can do to try to get ourselves back on a path that develops and recognizes and upholds the freedom and sovereignty of the individual and the health and well-being and sovereignty of the larger community. It's a tall order, but all of us, if we want to see things move in this direction, have to make moves for ourselves to be involved in this struggle. So as always, thank you for listening. I hope you stay tuned. We have interesting stuff coming up in the future. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Inner Fire. I really appreciate your support. If you want to see this podcast grow, if you find yourself in agreement with what we're talking about here, please feel free to share it, like it, and share it wherever you're listening to this. Share it on your social media, share it in your email accounts, let your friends know about it. Help me grow the podcast and help us in this fight for light against darkness. You can always reach out to me on social media 
you can write to me via the podcast. I always look forward to feedback and stay tuned for more exciting